0: Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Live to Walk Again podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon, your host as always. And with me today, got both of the guys on Zoom, Ricardo Benavides and Brandon Stevens. Guys, hello.
1: Hey, hey Jeremy. Thanks for making this accommodation. Uh, you know, as um, the world turns, it looks like uh, my son came down with COVID, but I tested negative, but I don't want to take any chances. So I appreciate you uh, doing this.
0: Thank you for uh yeah, thanks for for, uh being mindful of that.
2: Uh what's up, Brandon? Hey, nothing much. Uh you know what? I'm just happy to be here and I'm glad that Ricardo, you're in good health, most
1: importantly. Thank you, you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and Dominic is on the mend. So that's good. Yeah, he said it felt like uh when you got the vaccine, it felt like that on a thousand like a thousand times over (laughs) the first day. So
2: Man. But he's recovering pretty well.
1: Yeah, he just has uh, some congestion, so he's doing good. So good. Yeah, and, and you know, and he's like, "Hey, don't come home. Stay where you're at. You know, I don't need anything. I'll be good." So I'm kind of worried he might be having a little party this weekend, and uh, maybe it's all a hoax. <laughs> so
0: he just yeah, he's pretending to have COVID. Yeah, <laughs> another day, man. Another positive COVID Bye. test.
1: Yeah. That
2: crazy.
1: Yeah. So, but you know what? You know what's good about it is that, um, you know, he has a great support system, right? I mean, he has um, a job. He's got a positive attitude, a good outlook on it. So, hopefully, his recovery will be better, right? You know? Yeah,
0: no kidding.
1: And I think that might be what our subject matter is a little bit about today, right? With our guests.
0: A positive uh, positive mindset and yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, we were able to I, w- I was able to speak uh, with dr. Michelle Mead from the University of Michigan uh, and uh, we had mentioned in a couple of previous episodes about the the study that, that her and her team there were working on uh, basically monitoring people after you know post injury um, with spinal cord injury, People's kind of resilience and um, you know depression or lack thereof or overcoming depression because a lot of people uh, that that do suffer this injury you know it, it's almost impossible not to suffer some depression at, at some point along the way and that it's a pretty common theme in a lot of the interviews we've done on the show that you know somebody. Uh, you know after a couple of years maybe uh, you you you're, you're going good for a while and then then it hits and you get a little depressed and uh, you know a lot of them are are saying though hey i overcame this you know I, I was down for a for a year down for for a few months and and just had to finally was able to to get get out of it and get back to uh loving life and and thriving you know so uh, Yeah, Michelle and her team, Dr. Mead and her team at at, the University of Michigan, really, really went after this study, and and, you know, I think they said she said they had like 490 people uh, involved in the study, and um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting uh, some of the you know the the factors that contribute to this that you have to have cognitive function. um, So basically, if you suffer a brain injury in association with it and you can't kind of adapt, then that's a real negative. If you don't have like a good social support system around you, that's, that's a really important aspect of a good care um, is, is a really important aspect of, of kind of keeping this positive mental attitude. So what, uh, what did you guys think of the, of the interview? I know you've already heard it.
1: So my put is, is um, on it is that it it applies to um, a change in your life, right? Whether you become disabled, or you age, right? You have to have those support systems. I mean, I think everything that she talked about related to me in aging, right? You have to have friends, you have to have a good support system, you have to have people, you know, I have a a diverse group of friends, people from all ages, you guys, you know, quite a bit younger than me. And I have some friends that are older than me. And I think that really makes me more content. Not that I don't get sad and depressed sometimes, you know, but um, it's overcoming those things through the help of others. And I I thought that was a pretty good message, right? Is that you don't want to isolate yourself and you don't want to, you know, she said it's easier if you're extroverted. I think maybe those weren't her exact words. But, um, you know, for somebody that's extroverted, it's easier to ask for help and be more sociable. And I think uh, having a good social network is, is, is key to uh, happy whether you're disabled or not disabled.
2: Well, listen, if you were to take a, a very non-scientific poll of many of the guests that we have had on this podcast, Jeremy and Ricardo, especially in regards to the spinal, the the people that have been on the podcast with spinal cord injury, you know, I, I think you'd find that probably the majority of them have mentioned the people around them and the support system they've had. And so, although, you know, we didn't have an experiment now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Damn near every single person said that.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that's why, um, you know, when I, you know, Jeremy, I always say, and you know, that this was a great interview. These were great people. And I think that's because they have that mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they've reached out, they're doing something and that's what, uh, you know, attracted you to them anyhow. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 One of, uh, speaking of COVID, one of my, uh, friends who belongs to the Tulalip tribe, when I got COVID, he, you know, he had uh, mess he had messaged me on text message, and he gave me a few herbal remedies that I should try. But one of the things that he mentioned was to have a positive mindset. So you know, I think that that transcends you know any type of um, thing someone might be going through. Uh, and and exceptionally, of course, COVID is not really anything close to suffering a spinal cord injury, but in the same sense, um, it's an unknown. At the time, it was an unknown thing of what, what could possibly happen to you. And I think that's definitely, and it was something that we couldn't prepare for because we didn't know a lot about it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can, I, I see where you're, I see the point you're making there. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I mean, this is definitely not, not something you ever imagined is going to happen to you. Even if, even if you guys like knowing me and knowing like what I go through, got injured tomorrow, you'd still be like, what the fuck is going on, you know?
2: Well, well, oftentimes, oftentimes I've always said to myself, shit, man, like, I don't think I could handle it like Jeremy could, but you know, I'm starting to think that I don't think any of these people that have been injured ever thought about it, you know, and the way they handled it maybe is just the resilience of the person. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, Brandon. And I think the same thing when I see Jeremy. I mean, to be honest with you, no, I think we talked about this a few times. At least personally, I've talked about it with Jeremy. I've never seen Jeremy in a grumpy mood, right? I mean, I've never seen him bad. I always see him pretty happy and pretty content. Not, And I'm not saying that he doesn't have bad days, but I think he makes the best out of the situation. And I think that's what people need to do, whether they're disabled or, or able-bodied. Um, and I know it's it's easier said than done, but um, I I think that does change your whole outlook on life, and you attract um, people that are like-minded when you have a better attitude. Yeah, I think I think that's key, right? Because I wouldn't be want to be hanging around gloomy Gus, you know, whether Jeremy has a disability or not it would just wouldn't be fun mm-hmm so yeah, well,
0: hey guys the check is in the mail for all the uh yeah you're welcome uh, you're yeah. welcome you know i just th- yeah i mean and I, I know that uh drew claiborne that, that's the was kind of the basis of the article that i read and i'm going to reach out and see if i can get him on the show and dr mead said that she could could kind of run interference for me and and connect me to him um he talked about not comparing yourself to other people that are in wheelchairs. And he's like a super high level injury and, you know, went back to school and did all these, you know, has done, just kept living his life. I mean, I don't even know if you can say that they're like, he's doing amazing things. He's just like not giving up and like continuing and living life. Uh, which is very cool. But he, he talked about not comparing yourself to other people, because like, you know, he's like, I, I think he like made a, a specific reference to somebody with a lower level injury than him and like much more movement. And, and uh, that, that person was depressed. And he's like, man, what do you have to be depressed? Like, you have so much more than I have, like, how are you depressed? And I'm happy. Uh, and so they talked about like, yeah, just not kind of comparing yourself to other other people or or kind of envying what other people have which i thought yeah
1: you know yeah my dad had a saying and you know he said you know son when you think the grass is always greener on the other side when you get there it's still grass (laughs) (laughs) right well and so you know it's often the case when you look at somebody else's life you know you wouldn't want that over yours anyhow when you get there right because people always show the best sides of their lives anyway right nobody ever really shows all the 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 cobwebs and the mushrooms growing in the attic you know what I mean so
0: yeah I you know I always think about how lucky I am like fortunate I am to you know had a dad that was able to renovate our house and, and get it so that I could you know move back in and then eventually was able to buy my, you know, the house that was renovated for me and um, all of these things. But I, I like distinctly remember when I was in outpatient rehab at Good Samaritan Hospital in Puyallup. And, you know, I went in there and they asked me to go in and meet this guy that had just recently been injured. He was probably like in his forties or something. And his mother was gonna, he was gonna be moving home with his mother and he was gonna have to go home in a regular like push wheelchair, where, his, which was like, he couldn't control himself. He was, wasn't was gonna be able to, to really maneuver it. People were gonna have to move him around um, all because his mom didn't want uh, to tear up the carpet and put down hardwood floors in the house. And was so I think- was that your mom now I don't think so but uh yeah and I think he ended up going like into a nursing home instead because he couldn't you know it, it just didn't make sense for him to be sitting in a in a wheelchair all day with somebody having to like move him to do pressure reliefs and stuff like that uh so yeah I mean I just always have thought about how lucky I am that I didn't have a crazy parent like that or something that would like nah, you can't come home unless you're uh because your wheelchair is going to tear up my carpet and i'm not putting down hardwood floors so
2: well well in in today's you know today's in in the day and age of social media guys it's it's very hard for any person to not have to set self-expectations based on the appearance of what other people are doing um in this keeping up with the Jones Joneses sense, right? Because, you know, most people are going to make a highlight reel of their life, and it's going to be a positive one. And, you know, for people that are suffering from, you know, depression or anxiety, or even for that matter, something way worse, like a spinal cord injury, which would only contribute to those factors even more. You know, I think that 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 that's something that just is way different that people would have to deal with now that they weren't dealing with, Jeremy, when you were, when you were first injured um, because you wouldn't really have any way to compare yourself to people. And that's definitely something that you shouldn't do. It's easier said than done, but I think people with spinal cord injury just have this like, I don't know what it is, man. what we find in this podcast is like some exorbitant amount of gratitude. And I, I don't know where that comes from.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I think what it is, is I, you know, Brandon, I, I, I think about it all the time is um, accepting, accepting it and embracing it. Right. Um, the it's not fun. I, you know, I wouldn't have planned this for my life, but I'm going to make the best of it. And some of them go on to go to college and do things that they never imagined that they would do. Right. And it is way more fulfilling than, you know their job that they had before, the things that they were doing before, you know, and that's what I think is really amazing about the people that uh, Jeremy has had on this podcast. And even me, as you get older, there's things that you have to accept, you know, like maybe you don't jump out of bed as early in the morning as you'd like to, and you have a few more aches and pains. But, you know, one of the things that has opened up my eyes is, you know, I embrace the little ache and pain now because, you know, there's people like Jeremy that can't do that and that's you know really put a different focus on my perspective of my life you know so you know there's there's nothing I want out of my life because I can get up and walk I can go do things I'm independent and you know I was really grappling with this you know because you know I've known Jeremy my whole 35 years since I've been in this family and his um the journey that he's made and the journey that people have to make of giving up their independence and relying on other people would be so traumatic especially when you're younger you know to people that have injuries when they're younger and uh, i i mean i applaud jeremy and the rest of all of his guests that do that every day that have caregivers come in and help them with whatever things they need whether it's cooking or changing or dressing or showering it's it's amazing the amount of trust that you have to hand over and acceptance that you have to give when you have these disabilities and to be able to do that gives i think those people have huge mental um strength you know yeah
2: and i don't i don't think we should um how do i say i don't think we should sugarcoat like everything was you know rainbows and roses oh no 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 or 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 like or for anybody else that that's going that's going through this that's not in a good headspace you know what I mean and I get it and I get it like from like okay I don't get it like that but I I I can empathize with that do you understand
1: yeah yeah well you were close to Jeremy your whole life so yeah I mean you had more of a firsthand look than I did of what Jeremy was going through, you know, being his brother and stuff. So, you know, yeah,
2: Yeah, yeah. there were, there were dark days, man. I I know that he went through for sure.
0: And and I think it's just like, yeah, you're
2: going to have bad days.
0: Everybody has bad days though, regardless if you're in, you know, have a spinal cord injury or not, like you're going to have, there's going to be days that are going to be just terrible. And there's going to be days that are great and you're going to have a good time. And you just have to kind of, I don't know if compartmentalize is the right word, but you have to just, I guess, look at it. Just appreciate the good times, and you know, deal with the the bad times as you have to, because like we all go through it. So,
2: yeah, I, I think what it boils down to for anybody that 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 is going through anything, man, is gratitude is going
1: to be your biggest ally. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's, yeah, that's,
0: that's well said. And,
1: and the, and the people in your life, the people that you can rely on in your life. Yes, you know? absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, before we get to this interview, I did just want to say, um, you know, send our condolences to, you know, live to walk again, co-founder and family member, Cherise Sakati uh, lost her grandmother a couple days ago and I know her and her family are going through it. So we definitely you know, wish them all the best, uh, in this trying time. And, uh, you know, yeah. Love these guys and and really want, uh, hope they, you know, hope they're not going through too much pain. So, uh, and, and yeah, and you guys can, uh, before we get to the interview, you can, you know, please like rate review, share all that good stuff. Uh, podcast is available anywhere that you can listen to podcasts uh, we need some more ratings, man. Five stars only, please. Just Give us a few.
2: We got to climb the rankings.
0: We need to get up there. We can show, yeah, when we're able to show our guests that we have a thousand five-star ratings on Apple, then they're going to be like, damn, definitely want to do this podcast. So, anyway, yeah, here, we're going to get to Dr. Michelle Mead right now. This week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are excited to interview Dr. Michelle Mead from the University of Michigan. And Dr. Mead, I'm gonna go ahead and let you just give your own uh, introduction so I don't butcher any any of your titles.
3: Thank you, Jeremy. Um, I'm a rehabilitation psychologist and a professor in the University of Michigan departments of physical medicine and rehabilitation and family medicine as well as the co-director of the Center for Disability Health and Wellness and the director of our new spinal cord injury model systems.
0: Okay, great, great. That that's, sounds like a, a heck of a title. So, um, you, you know, bef- before anything else, I'm kind of curious about how did you get involved, I guess, working with and researching um, people and, and situations surrounding uh, those of us with spinal cord injuries?
3: I've been working with folks with spinal cord injury for about 20 years now. I started on the clinical end. And so as mentioned, I, I'm a clinical rehabilitation psychologist. So I, I started as um, as a clinical psychologist working on the inpatient unit here at the University of Michigan back during my postdoctoral fellowship, as I said, about 20 years ago. Um, and then gradually transitioned more into the research role, as well as with just participating in the spinal cord injury community well, especially well in Virginia. Okay. And
0: so a rehabilitation psychologist, um, I know most of the the folks listening now that have spinal cord injuries and and went through an inpatient stay, in rehab and all of that, I know we all pretty much had psychologists come and talk to us and, and visit with us. Is that kind of what, is that, that sounds like that's what your role
3: originally was, and then it kind of blossomed from there? It did. And so originally, I would be one of the team members who folks would see when they got on the inpatient unit, um, just to monitor, to facilitate the adaptation process, um, and to help with the communication among the team. From there, I also always did some outpatient therapy. From there though, it really evolved into more uh, using that understanding and perspective in terms of conducting research. Um, And that was done in partnership with, of course, folks with spinal cord injury. And so that led to involvement in spinal cord injury organizations and advocacy efforts. Okay, great,
0: great. Um, yeah, and speaking of, of, of turning to research, I know that there's a this new study that you've been working on um, there at the University of Michigan that basically is studying people's resilience after suffering a spinal cord injury. And yeah, where did the idea for this come from? Like how long has it been going on? Like where, yeah, um, of, and give so... us the rundown.
3: Right. So this is actually related to a study that was funded by the Department of Defense. I'm trying to think about which years from maybe starting in 2015 or so. Um, So what we uh, the idea came from just working and knowing individuals with spinal cord injury, knowing that while much of the research focuses on depression or anxiety, there are many people, you know, who I count as friends and colleagues who have done well who have been able to flourish, to connect it. And some of those had brief periods or, you know, or maybe more extended periods of depression, of distress, um, but have been able to go along. And some people never did. And so it's the idea that people can and should be expected to flourish rather than I think too often is the assumption is, of course, folks with spinal cord injury are going to be depressed, or of course, they're going to have poor outcomes. Um, And so part of the research was really to challenge that and to think about what are the factors associated with it. Okay.
0: Um, you know, so how many people, you know, like you hear about these studies that are, um, you know, hundreds, hundreds of people, thousands of people, like what was kind of your, um, your case study based on like, how many, how many folks were involved in this, in this original study with, with you?
3: And so this was a two part study. We originally had sent out surveys um, to folks with spinal cord injury uh, through three organizations, the University of Michigan Rehab Institute of Michigan and the Michigan Paralyzed Veterans of America and got their responses back. Um, after all was said and done, it was about 449 adults. Um, in the Through those surveys, we were able to make associations between who was doing well, who was um, what we call flourishing, um, and then who was having more difficulties and problems. From there, we then went on to interview 60 people and we provide data about 58 in the paper, who had met a certain criteria for doing well. Um, And with those people, we both conducted qualitative interviews, and then we did some uh, more standardized assessments of cognitive functioning, as well as social support and personality.
0: Okay, okay. And so, you know, I, when I first saw the article, and I believe it was in like the University of Michigan's, on the University of Michigan's website, the article that I was able to find um, that had Drew Claiborne, I believe, um, yes. was the kind of the main main uh, focus of the article. Uh, the, the subtitle is actually what caught my eye. And it said, research shows that key factors affect flourishing after spinal cord injury. So what are the, the key factors that, that kind of help people with, with uh, spinal cord injuries do well after and, you know, I guess, over kind of overcome the, the initial depression that may, may or may not set in?
3: I think the key factors are cognitive functioning, so being able to process and problem solve um, their way through the challenges that occur, uh, personality, Um, how you generally approach life and how you interpret what's going on and then social support. And uh, I guess one of the areas we really need more of, um, the folks especially who we did um, the uh, follow-up interviews with, they all had good levels of social support. And we don't know if that was natural from um, their you know, that folks who are able, are extroverted, are able to connect, are able to bring in other people from their lives. That is associated with doing better. You have people you can rely on. Um, you have people to call when something comes up, when you need a ride, when you uh, someone doesn't come through, or just to hang out with. Um, but it's also kind of a perspective, you know, it's a, a It is tied to cognitive functioning. You need, whether it's friends or family, to be able to connect with them. Um, And to do so is both um, knowing and being aware of what they're experiencing and being willing to uh, learn from that and engage on those factors. Um, But more importantly, for me, I guess, the cognitive functioning and my general area of research um, is the association between the the cognitive functioning and the health management. Spinal cord injury is complicated. Managing health and life after spinal cord injury (laughs) is much more challenging in many ways than for the typical. you got person, you got to think about a lot more. You got to keep track of it. Um, And it happens on a regular basis. And so the ability to do that, to be flexible, um, to consider, okay, when do I have to cath? When do I have to do bowel programs? How do I fit all of this into my day? What do I have to bring with me? What's the environment going to look like? Is, seems to, to, you know, to require at least a certain level of ability and uh, cognitive
0: functioning. Oh, that, that's, that's so interesting. So interesting, Dr. Mead. Um, I'm curious as to, did you, did you all in the, in the study keep track? Because obviously all spinal cord injuries are different and situations are different. Did you keep track of like what level injury each person was? And did you find that I don't know, like lower level injuries, maybe were less likely to be depressed and, and more likely to flourish um, or was there really anything- Right.
3: I mean, we, we did keep track and that was definitely uh, one of the things that we looked at on, uh, especially with the, when we have the larger sample with the, of um, participants from the survey. Um, And what we found there was that the level of injury was not significant. Things like income worse, social comparisons, and so to the extent people could say, I know people who are better or worse off than me, rather than I am the worst person, you know, I am worse off than anyone I know, um, are associated with that flourishing or apparent resilience.
0: Okay, yeah, so I've always kind of thought, um, because I'm a C4-5 quadriplegic, and I was really close to being on a ventilator when I got injured, um, just because of the level of injury, and I was able to get an experimental drug, luckily, and they think that that really contributed to me not being on a ventilator, Um, and I always think to myself, like, man, it could be so much worse if, if I did have to deal with that, on top of all the other stuff that we have to deal with. And I did read, you know, I, I saw a quote in there from Drew uh, essentially saying in the article that um, one of the key things for him is to not compare himself to other other people in, in this situation or other injuries, because you know, like who knows, like you know, why is that person not depressed? Why is that person depressed? Um, you know, talk a little bit about that and how, how did that factor into the into the study?
3: I guess what we heard a lot, both, is that people do make those social comparisons and people who are doing well generally would say, well, you know, I'm at this level and that level could be anywhere from ventilator dependent to, you know, a a T-level injury or incomplete walking. Um, And, you know, they could always see people who are better or worse they Even if the physical situation may uh, or the injury itself could be more severe, um, they could see a social situation that was worse, or how the individual did not have the family support, or you know, lost family as a result of the accident. Um, and so, I I do think that it's the the social comparison of not seeing yourself uh, as um, someone who has to be pitied, of seeing yourself as the, you know, in the worst situation of any of the individuals you know is important. Um, that when you see that there are many factors that influence outcomes, that it could have been worse. Um, whether that, you know, well, I'm better than the individual, I'm, um, or I'm better off than the individuals that I'm the ventilator, or at least I have family here. Or that 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 does seem to be significant in terms of how people think about their situation and their outcomes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh, you know, what can people that have spinal cord injuries do? To I guess, uh, obviously, cognitively you probably can't. Uh, you know, learn anything. Maybe you can on some level, but um, it, it seems like um, you know, are there things that we can do to? excel at you know maybe being more outgoing or is there like you know did you guys find that therapy helps people with sci after these injuries become more resilient and and still um, flourishing
3: people are inconsistent uh, we didn't hear a lot of people actually talking about psychotherapy um although i'm a psychologist and so i have to think it's uh can be important but you know factors such as peer mentors were often talked of as important. Having other people who you see living the life, um, being successful, who can say it can happen and who can provide specific tips. Um, Sports, adaptive activities, physical activity in general, getting out, moving, just connecting with people. And I think that while, and especially as associated with personality, some people are just naturally introverted And I think that may make it harder as associated with managing a spinal cord injury. Often you got to ask people for help. You got to, you know, explain to people what's going on. You have to um, work with people to change your environment or to manage things. And so thinking about specific skills um, that need to be developed and ways to work on to to create friendships, to think about learning to listen and engage people, learning to have more um, equal or respectful relationships, I think are are helpful with a a management process. And whether that is because of personality or because of cognitive functioning, those are skills that you can develop, um, even if they may not come naturally or are harder because of an associated brain injury.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have looked at this at all um, on your team there conducting the study, but um, relating it to, do you guys relate it at all to able bodied people and their kind of depression and lack of resilience versus uh, folks that have suffered spinal cord injuries, or is this just kind of a strictly SCI based study?
3: So this was a strictly sci based study. So I don't know in terms of the comparisons and um, the measure itself was, uh, so we used the flourishing scale by Diner, which was a, developed in an able-bodied population. Um, and generally the scores were a little bit higher uh, for the, the norm population than we, what we found in this sample, uh, but the ranges were similar. I understand, Um,
0: you know, and where you know, where does this is the study done now? Then, or are you going to continue it on
3: um, with with a larger sample group? And so, this specific study is done um, is published in Rehabilitation Psychology, um, and but where we cut where we followed up on different pieces of it, and so we've uh, just recently finished. a study looking at uh, more specifically at executive functioning. Um, That is people's ability to problem solve, to their memory and learning and how that's related to self-management. And we're just examining the data of that now. Um, We continue to look at issues of health management in general and then always the idea of developing, I guess, systems. And partnerships to facilitate better outcomes are very much of interest. Oh,
0: very, very interesting. Yes. Um, I'm curious as to how much of the study was conducted during COVID and if you noticed any different results of people being more or less depressed. Um, I would imagine probably more during like COVID lockdowns and all of that sort of thing. Or if you guys were were already done with your research by that point, or how that all went.
3: Right. So this study that was published um, was conducted prior to COVID. The study I just mentioned, in which we were looking at at executive functioning and self management, um, we actually had to adapt because of COVID and to do online rather than in person. And I do think there's definitely more stressors, um, and you know that may we're just looking at the data, but that may impact some of those quality of life and general outcomes and how people feel. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, you know, one of my last questions for you here, Dr. Mead, I'm curious as to what, what benefit the Department of Defense is getting from, I guess, learning the resiliency of, of folks that have suffered spinal cord injury. I mean, I guess maybe like people in the army that have also, you know, suffered spinal or, you know, suffered debilitating injuries. But, you know, yeah, talk about the Department of Defense's involvement and kind of you know, why you think they're they're involved in this
3: as well. Sure. The Department of Defense actually has a significant portfolio related to spinal cord injury. And so I would imagine it's because of the uh, large lobbying organization by the Paralyzed Veterans of America. Um, And um, the the focus, you know, that the VA has been a key place and focus where spinal cord injury research and rehabilitation has occurred. And so they're very interested in not only, um, you know, ensuring the health of veterans uh, with spinal cord injury and folks who have served our country, uh, but with other conditions. It's interesting, though, of that of note that often in VA centers, uh, the spinal cord injury service also covers things like ALS or MS, which are tend to be more service or higher rates of service related or injury impairment. Okay,
0: wow, that's interesting. And, And so my last question, Dr. Mead, I'm curious as as a, you know, rehab, rehab, Rehabilitational psychologist. I don't know if I just butchered that or not, but what are your, you know, what would you suggest to folks dealing with a spinal cord injury that are going through depression? Um, you know, can you think of a few things that you could give them advice on to, to you know, help them, you know, deal with, with what they're de- going through?
3: Sure. Um, I would say, try and talk with someone, you know, especially a professional. Uh, I tend to think that rehabilitation psychologists or other health psychologists can think um, more in and both thinking about the acceptance and what can be done now, but in a problem solving way. And so there are a lot, times modifiable factors, our relationships, pain management, uh, interactions with healthcare systems, setting up the environment, all of which have impacts on participation and quality of life. These then can be um, identified as possibly contributing to depression. And the focus of specific symptoms. There are also expectations in terms of what did I think my life is and what can I do now? And so talking with someone who has a sense of what's possible and who doesn't just view what is going on as a tragedy, uh, but thinking about that life is worth living, but you have to figure out how to do it, given your specific context. Um, and then I think it's also just a release valve. We all get frustrated. We all have uh, times that we want to, uh, we need to release or talk about feelings of frustration, depression, anxiety. Um, but it isn't always comfortable or safe to do so with our Primary support system. Um, they are also invested in various ways, and we don't want to hurt them. We want to keep engaging them. And so, having someone outside, um, a knowledgeable others can help provide insight, help uh, work w- with the individual to figure out okay, what may work best? Let's look at this as a whole, an outside, per- safe, non judgmental perspective to help move forward. In terms of general things, I would say find organizations, find opportunities to connect. Um, That employment can bring on, you know, can provide uh, both financial incentives, but it also provides social context. It provides meaning identity. Um, And if for some reason that isn't okay because of the risk associated with earning money or um, with possibly losing insurance, having other outlets is important volunteering connecting being organizing gaming groups you know being involved um and then just developing an environment that is as optimally set up as possible both for uh, psychological health and for functioning Uh,
0: those all sound like great ideas and uh I couldn't agree more, especially, you know, your environment, like, yeah, making sure you can, you know, like, yeah, setting up, you, you know, if you, yeah, I, I had a house fire a few years ago and was like forced to go to a hotel for like six weeks. And that was like, put me out of my element so bad. It was, you know, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah, I could, I really appreciated a heck of a lot more now. And and I don't think I really understood how much it, it, it really meant up, up until that point. Cause I would kind of taken it for granted, but yeah, Uh, That's a that's a great, great tip. So and I guess one of
3: the things I found is sometimes when folks are aging with spinal cord injury or another disability, they, they don't think about what changes they may be experienced in their functioning, what declines how they need to be do things differently, and so they may benefit from kind of reevaluating where they currently are now, both with how their environment is set up, as well as with the, their general methods or approaches of doing things. So, rethinking: okay, is this still the best way of getting around, of transferring, of having my house set up to allow me to reach things and do things easily, um, to allow me to do as much as I can or as much as I want to do.
0: All all great, great pieces of advice, Dr. Mead. I uh, appreciate you so much, Dr. Michelle Mead. I know you were very busy and you were kind enough to take a little time out of your day to, to visit with us. And, um, you know, I know I'm sure everyone's going to get a lot out of this and I really can't thank you enough. So uh, appreciate thank you, you very much show.
3: for reaching out and for spending the time and inviting me onto your podcast. I really Bye. appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Mead. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Take care. Yep.
3: Bye-bye.